You're listening to the Culture Builders Podcast, where we share thoughts, tools, and tips for leaders to improve relationships, raise standards, and grow personally. We're all about working to do better and to be better. You can learn more at thriveonchallenge.com. So you're listening to my first guest episode on the Culture Builders Podcast, where I've decided I really enjoy talking with coaches that are on the transformational journey, right? trying to move from that transactional style of coaching to more transformational styles of coaching that are um, great learners. They have that growth mindset that are open to new ways of doing things. And I just really enjoy uh, those conversations. And um, I felt like rather than just have these conversations with some great coaches and then always be keeping them to myself, I said, why don't I just start recording some of these conversations and start sharing them with our listeners? So uh, that's what today is about. I wanted to have a conversation with Adam Hanover, who is a boxing coach in England. And Adam and I have been in contact for a little bit over two years now. Uh, He had reached out and connected with me back in the early days of TOC. And, you know, we just got connected on just some similar ideas I kind of encouraged him to step out and do the Boxing Coaches podcast or just start a podcast to share about his experiences um, in learning about like transformational coaching and just growing as a coach. Just start sharing those with others because not only did I feel like it could help others, uh, but I felt it could help accelerate his growth. And we talk a little bit about that today uh, as well as just some things that he is doing um, at England's boxing educational program at uh, DISE Boxing. So um, he's a boxing coach, probably one of the only uh, boxing coaches I really know well. So it was kind of cool just to have a chat a little bit about boxing as well. So anyways, without further ado, uh, we're going to jump right into my conversation with Adam Hanover, which I think you will enjoy thoroughly. And at the end, um, he will give some of his contact details so you can reach out to him because he's got some really brilliant uh, practical ideas um, as well as he's just an overall great person and probably the funniest Englishman I know. I don't know if that's uh, <laughs> that's uh, the wrong thing to say, but I just think he's just got a brilliant sense of humor. Uh, one of my favorite things that he did uh, about a year ago uh, was he took uh, the cover of my my book calling up and he superimposed um, some, some funny pictures on it and posted it on Twitter. So I'll be sure to share that um, uh, with, with people when I post uh, this, this uh, link to this episode uh, on social media as well. So without further ado, uh, here's my conversation with Adam Hanover. So I think one of the things that I've learned over the pandemic and the lockdown is that coaches, we're all on this journey. And I think it's actually very, very lonely at times. And we started getting coaches together for our roundtables in the, in, the, in the Thrive on Challenge community. And it wasn't anything like an agenda. It was just, how did your season go? What did you learn from it? You know, what, you know just maybe not even just last season, but just share a little bit of their journey as a coach and the transformation they were going through. And the struggles with that, just like I think so many people resonate with that, you know, like just I think just knowing that we're not the only one. And I, you know, so honestly for you, you know, just that was one of the reasons I wanted to reach out to you right away was like, man, you have 
I mean, we connected a few years back and it's just been really cool to see him just be on the outside of just kind of the journey that you've been going through, you know? And it's been, it's been massive, you know, so that it's been rabbit hole after rabbit hole, you know, since, since we, we've chatted, you know, and you gave me that nudge, that, that, that courage and confidence to actually start the boxing coaches podcast. And we're now, oh, I think we're 47 in now, 48 awesome. um, episodes in now. So it's, you know, it's, it's going really, really well. And um, as you say, it does bring people together. So I do get emails, I do get um, social media messages, people commenting on it, um, whether that'll be um, something that they feel resonated with them or whether it be something, a suggestion, could you talk about this? Could you talk about this? So it's nice to know that people feel there's there's trust in the and that's going out there because, um, you know, I do follow a, a bit of a pattern, you know, again, something that you suggested to me, make sure you tell a story um, uh, and make sure that, you know, you, you know that what you're, what you're bringing into it in terms of the, um, the nuts and bolts, you've done your research, you know, you've, mm-hmm. you've researched. So if we're talking principles, we need to know what really backs it, what underpins what we're talking about. So it gives it that, that credence, that credibility. But can you deliver it through a story? So that's always something that stuck with me, That what you said. Can you deliver that information through a story? Because it's really powerful storytelling. And I've always found that, found that the best coaches are the ones that could put the information across in, in a good story, something that people can buy into, something, you know, a bit of emotional buy-in. So that's something that, that really resonated with me, JP, mate. Yeah, and I think I always like, I like to encourage coaches to, reflect right I, I think a lot of us we all have experiences and we talked about this a little bit, a little bit earlier but we have experiences but then we also are consuming this content this information whether it be through reading a book uh, or listening to a podcast or reading some like research right like you said there but then how do you merge your experiences with that information I think it takes a lot of intentionality and one of the coolest ways I think to do that is to write a blog, create a podcast like the Boxing Coaches uh, p- uh, podcast. Like I think those things, like when I started the blog, I started writing about my experiences and the things that I was reading and how I might apply those things that I was reading to my experiences. Like that just helped to accelerate like my growth. You know, like have you felt like that has helped? Like just having the podcasts. Oh, unbelievably so. I mean, I suppose from the outside looking in, you might people might feel that the the podcast you're putting out or the information you're putting out in whatever format is there for to enrich them or to help them support them. But you know, there's a bit of a sort of um, alter ego to it. The other side of things as well is actually I'm doing it for myself as well. You know, and that's not a that's not a selfish thing. It's there to solidify my learning. And when and you know, when we talk shop, when we sit here, we're sitting here, you know, on on a Skype call. I can see you. You can see me. We're talking shop. There's no better time than when we light up than when we talk about what we're passionate about because it's just these little opportunities to learn, you know, and, and that's really exciting. And I'm, I'm really, it's a great place now where I find out that I don't know stuff, you know, and, you know, I'm sure it happens for all of us and, and for yourself. You, you find out, ah, I know zero about that. And probably three or four years ago before I met yourselves and, like, and, and people with a similar mindset to you, it was like, oh, I don't know that. And it almost felt like a failing um, but now it's an opportunity and I do that sit, rather than see it as a threat state. I see that as challenge state for me mentally. Um, so having these 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 um, platforms to put the information out, it's not just about the people it goes to, but it's also about me as well. And I found it's made me not just a better coach and, you know, more in tune, but a better person. I feel like I'm more selfless now. Yeah. 
Well, and I, I can even see think about like the the coaching culture podcast when when me and Nate do an episode that's just the two of us. You know, I think people see this final product and like, man, these guys and people sometimes like, oh, it's brilliant. That was such an incredible episode. I'm like, yeah, but we literally talked about that for four or five hours before we figured out what we were going to say because, like, we just said, all right, here's a topic. How do we unpack that? And and sometimes maybe we have a level of experience or expertise by through our work with other coaches but sometimes it's just chatting and having the conversation you know that we come to certain realizations that we feel are worth sharing you know so another thing that was kind of transformational for me was you know moving from this place where i would even do interviews with guests you know the james clear and i would just like try to unpack what they you know he shared in his book Whereas now I think I do interviews with, with guests. I'm actually genuinely coming in there, not to just like, hey, tell us about your book, but it's more like asking questions where I'm learning from them, really, you know, like, and I think that's where I've, I enjoy this, this process, you know, and I think, you know, so many times I think people are afraid to write a blog or share their experiences because they think by sharing their experiences, they might be coming across as, acting like they're an expert in it, you know, like that. And, and I, and I think that holds people back from engaging in, in conversations. I even had some coaches like around our TOC community roundtable. Oh, I don't know if I'd be, you know, if I can share, you know, the previous guy shared such great stuff. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like you sharing is not you being an expert or being at some level as a coach. It's just, there's a value that everyone gets from learning and hearing those stories and those experiences, you know? Mm-hmm. And th- there is an element of feeling very vulnerable when, um, you know, you're going out to the masses, you know, all the people that, you know, you reach with your your podcast and the Thrive and Challenge, et cetera. You know, there, there is that element of putting yourself out there and feeling a little bit vulnerable, you know, and people might not agree with you all the time. You know, they may challenge that, but that's great. But I think what we're doing is is trying to be brave enough to put yourself out there so and put the information out there so you can be challenged because the whole point is stimulating conversation. Well, you know, what's the goal? The goal is we want to, we want to challenge people to think about what they're doing, you know, and, and if what the information I'm putting out is not crystal clear or it, or you've got something to say about it, say it to us. Let's have a conversation. Let's have a debate because, you know, everything that we do in this kind of landscape is so dynamic. And it's not one size fits all. It's going to change all the time. And I've learned so much from people sending comments to me, uh, messages and emails and drop me um, bits and pieces here and there. I've learned so much. And I thought, yeah, you're right. But in terms of you, um, what you mentioned earlier about um, sounding like you're going on there to tell them, like, this is how it works. I'm, you know, the sage of the stage, the fountain of all knowledge. And I, I, know. <laughs> I kind of felt a little bit like that at the first day. I felt... I felt early on in the uh, in the episodes, I felt like a, a little bit like the kind of industrial revolution teacher standing on the, you know, with the, the cape on, you know, with the, the chalk in the front telling everybody this is how boxing should be done. I felt I wasn't doing it properly and I, I pulled myself on it. I pulled myself on it. I said, hold on. This isn't about me saying how it should be done. It, it's, it's, it's suggesting, it's dropping seeds and please come back to me with your points of view because although I try and keep things principle based as much as possible and, you know, I'm founded in science and what have you, um, you know, there, there, there are other opinions out there and there's other experiential learning out there. And, um, I've had to pull myself so many times on it. And at first I was defensive, but now I'm not, I'm, I want people to pull me on things now. And, and, um, because of that, you know, I'm growing so much more and I think people, 
trust a little bit more and when you are that little bit more vulnerable what do you think yeah no i I, i'd agree with that i I think too it's it's there's such value even if you're not putting your your reflections out there for the world to see on a podcast or a blog like there's just the power of journaling you know like is is very impactful We, we i've talked about that a lot with coaches something we work on i mean i just listened to a podcast with Ryan Holiday and uh, the guy that started the uh, the bullet journal. And they're just talking about the power of journal, the power of reflection. But it was actually, I remember Mark Bennett on my podcast talked about like post-practice or post-training session reflection and how if we're only reflecting and only keeping our reflections to ourselves, we really don't know how accurate those reflections are, right? And you have to have other people looking at that you have to get other people's perspectives and i don't know i think that's kind of a little bit about what today's conversation with you i want it to be about you know it's just sure. let's unpack adam's story and let's see you know how much we can connect with how much we can learn from that and maybe maybe you you take away something in the process as well so let's start with that moment you know you've shared with me I'm a transactional coach. Like I am the, or someone kind of calls you out on it in your relationship and the way that you're coaching. Like t- tell a little bit about that story. Well, I remember it vividly. So picture the beautiful scene. I'm in the north of Tenerife and we're there every every year usually with um, with my work, DICE, Diploma in Sport and Excellence. With, um, six academies around the country and we take uh, um, some of our best boxers out there to train. You know, and learn how to be an athlete for two weeks and look after each other. So we had a, a well-earned coffee break in the middle of the afternoon in, in the sun, sitting under a little parasol, um, and it was just me and the other, the other five coaches. And we're, we're chatting away as we do. We're talking shop, and we absolutely love it, having a bit of a reflection on the on the morning session. And um, one of my uh, one of my friends and colleagues, Steve Cranston from uh, from Gateshead, says to me, Adam, you, you're I was speaking to your boxes earlier. They 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 really think a lot of you. And they think you're a great coach. So I'm, so I'm sitting there going, no, you know, sort of sitting in my chair, a bit loud and, and happy to hear it. And then the big word comes in. But, and I thought, what's this but all about? Uh, he says, but they're scared of you. What do you mean they're scared of me? They're scared of you, Adam. They, they, they feel like they can't really talk to you because you would, you would judge them on something. like. And a million things started spinning around in my head straight away. And I sat there and I was, I was sort of, after the conversation finished, I, I went quiet for a bit and I let the, the other guys just chat. And the first thing that hit me was shame. I felt mm. really upset about it when, you know, when, when it actually kind of sort of sat in, sat in my brain properly. I felt really upset about it. I felt my boxers don't want to, want to approach me. And then my next thought was, how many people have I actually experienced in my own, um, my own boxing career or my own, I've played football to a decent level, or sorry, should I say soccer? to a decent level. Um, and I remember working with some absolutely amazing transformational coaches who were just, you, you'd run through walls for them because they were there for you. And some that you thought they were just transactional. They were very much, what can they get out of you and, and you know squeeze out of you at the time? And I felt to myself, I'm the latter. I'm a transactional coach. You know, I didn't really know the terminology back there, JP, if I'm honest. But what I did know is I was, a, I was coaching very much against who I was. And what and the impact that I really wanted to have, and you know, and and I, and I felt shame, and and from that day on, I made it very intentional to stop being this person who sat in my office and just nodded at the boxers as they walked in. I wanted to be 
come in, come into the office. Let's have a chat. How you get on? How was your weekend? How's your, you know, mm-hmm. how's your boyfriend? Mm-hmm. How's your girlfriend? How's your mum? I wanted to have those conversations. And it did take me probably two or three months for that to be genuine. Yeah, I yeah. Like yeah. I forced it because I needed to do it. But then once once I got past that, every, I can't wait to chat to them now. Yeah, I love yeah. the conversations I have. I love the interactions. And and it, it took intentionality to do that. Um, but mm-hmm. now I feel like I'm me when I coach. I really yeah. feel like I'm me. Let's, let's unpack that, though, real quick. Shame. I felt that. I felt that like I felt that shame of knowing that I'm the way that I'm coaching. I'm not making the athletes feel the way that I want them to feel. I I don't think I coached, you know, with the intent of like, I want to be popular. I want to be their friend. I want to be like, that was never, you know, and that's what transformational coaching is. That's not what it's about, right? Like it's, but it's about helping people to become something, you know, that we, we see in them, like to become better. But it's not just that. It's also about that process. Yeah, it can be challenging and hard, but you still at the end of the day, you want them to feel good, right? You don't want to make them feel bad through that process. And I think a lot of coaches might hear, oh, I make my athletes afraid. Well, that's what I got to do. You know, you said like, you know, but you had an awareness of yourself, an awareness of what you wanted to achieve as a coach. So I think your vision, while it may not be super, super clear, your vision as a coach was clear enough that when he said, they're afraid of you, you felt shame because that's not how you wanted them to feel, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And I tried to, you know, unpack them myself and I thought there's a, I was strict. I was the headmaster. You know, I, I'm a son of a sergeant major in the army. You know, and I, oh, really? I, I kind of, yeah. I mean, you know, this might be a little bit more going going deeper into the psychology of where this all comes from, learned behaviours and and what yeah, have yeah. you. Yeah, but let's do uh, that. My dad, my dad was a fantastic guy, but very strict. You know, and, and, yeah. and had lots of things like that. And you know, a lot of the times you are a product of your environment, and, and for certain behaviours, I was. So I was very strict. But I think there is that big difference, as you sort of alluded to. There was the difference between being strict and being demanding. You see what I mean? You can be very demanding of your athletes, of your boxers, um, but without being strict. Because strict says to me, don't do this, don't do this. Whereas demanding for me is, can you aspire to this? It's a difference. It's a big difference. And I changed my approach into that. So I'm very demanding of my boxers now whilst trying to maintain that relationship. And I think that relationship allows me to be demanding. Whereas before, strictness destroyed the relationship and allowed them to only try to achieve what I wanted them to achieve rather than what their own personal needs were. And, you know, you might think it's, you know, okay, semantics, but I don't think it really is. It is that difference. So... I try and involve them as much as I can now, and I can involve them just because I've just got better relationships now. I feel I'm I'm on the path now to to being able to um, achieve that, and I see that as the kind of almost like the Maslowic part. You're going to put, you know, the love, the relationships, the shelter is there before I'm starting to achieve all this almost yeah. nonsense in terms of the tech, the tech, and things like that. But I started here with the tech and tech always but now i start with the relationship as much as i can and it and it's and then you actually go well i'm so much better in my job not just because i have that knowledge now of why it's successful but i feel better in my job and and it rubs off so 
when I go out there, I've got a smile on my face. My body language does look better. And you might say, well, he's probably just saying this because it's, it's what you would say in a podcast. They want to hear what they're saying. But it's true. I go out there with a smile on my face. Um, my body language looks great. I'm, I'm making contact, physical, just eyesight with everyone straight away. And my session starts at an eight, whereas before it would start at a five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's huge. And I think, and we'll pack this a little bit, but like, it doesn't mean you've gone soft in any ways. I, I mean, I, I think... Probably. <laughs> two, two, two things that I definitely just really connected with. I think a lot of times we talk about we coach the way that we were coached. Well, I think we also coach the way that we were parented sometimes. And that's not to say my parents were bad or your parents were bad. It's just their style. But I think there is a difference between parenting and coaching too, you know? Um, So that's interesting. I think too, is just the disciplinarian. I think we, you know, we feel like disciplining has to look a certain way. It's that, like you said, the drill sergeant type of approach, but really it could be much more, you know, using in that original of discipline is to teach, you know, you're the teacher, you know, and you're, and yes, you're, you're asking your athletes to be disciplined, to you know, maintain um, high standards, but doing it in a way that's more instructional, more helpful, more calling them up in those moments rather than just, you know, constantly being on them and calling them out, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, our, our culture here, which the boxers came up with several years ago, which we've kind of kept, but, what we we call it former, so F O R M A. So the mantra, as you if you will, is every session are you are you better than your former self? I love that. Right? Obviously, we've had a little play with the words to make it. <laughs> but, you know, I think the important thing is the word you mentioned earlier is intentionality. So it's all well and good, and you go to any boxing gym in the country, who they got a poster of? They got Muhammad Ali. They've got um, I don't know Sugar Ray Leonard. All these people. <laughs> pictures and you look at it straight away and you go i feel inspired but then the next day you walk in you look at it well, you don't feel inspired anymore i've seen the poster and it just blends into the background it's like wallpaper mm-hmm. you don't notice the wallpaper anymore so what we try and do with former is then we have the behaviors that come off that to direct them to be okay well how am i going to live and breathe what former is so so f is feedback o is being open and honest with each other you know being in that kind of psychological safety where we can be open and honest boxes are too oh you box well you did really really well i'm sitting there going that was awful yeah i know (laughs) i could see my own players doing that during a session a girl chucks up a three and it's like what was that shot but they're like oh good shot good shot i'm like no that's not a good shot (laughs) yeah someone's got a nosebleed in the crowd in the bleachers haven't they we hit them rather than hit the uh i know (laughs) but you know you know and that does take a lot of trust that takes a lot of time you can't expect day one them to walk in right i want you to be open and honest with each other and they go you're rubbish look at what's acceptable in terms of how we deliver that um, the middle part is is um respect you know which uh, happily sits right in the center of former mm-hmm. for um you know how do we bring that about and I, i've you know i've got a couple of examples how we live those behaviors uh m is for mindset i know it can be a little bit cliche you know we can't be a very carol dwecky but you know in terms of the growth versus fixed mindset you know are they accepting challenges? So we look at ways to measure, are they accepting challenges? Um, not each session, but we want some kind of almost evidence, I suppose, to see that they are accepting challenges throughout the week. And mindset links finally onto A, which is afraid. So afraid is basically doing something they are afraid to do. 
because I think the problem that we have in boxing, and I don't know whether it's the same for basketball, is that whenever you are sparring, for example, which is as close as you get to competition, it's a performance. Everything is about performance in that spar. I need that spar to look like a 10. Why do I need that spar to look like a 10? I can aspire to it to be like a 10, but actually I want to choose a couple of critical factors within that spar that I'm afraid to do. I know I need, I mean, I'm six foot five. I'm quite a tall bloke, but do I need to stand close range and throw little body shots in all the times? Probably not. But actually in reality, it's going to happen. I'm going to have a Mike Tyson sitting on my chest trying to, I need to be able to box that way. But my performance mindset tells me just keep it long, keep it perfect. But I want to get into a place where it's messy. It's not going to be right. I want to learn to be very uncomfortable. Um, and we need to reward our boxers by doing that. So I need them to accept challenges, which is one of our mindset behaviors. I need them to do something they're afraid to do, which falls under A. And then that's where the R actually comes back in for respect. So if we see each other doing something like that, then we're actually going to share a handshake with them. Our handshake looks a bit like, I mean, obviously your, your listeners can't see this, but it's like a double tap and a knuckle bump, right? Mm. Looks a little bit, wow, you know, it looks a bit like a sort of an yeah. early 80s <laughs> hip-hop, maybe. <perhaps. laughs> but, um, but what it actually means is when you receive that, we're rewarding our boxers for accepting a challenge and being unafraid to do it. So when we give those that handshake to each other, a little bit like Mark Bennett stuff at two when they accept the information at two of each other. But when they give that, they know they've, they've got it. They know they've achieved and, and, and earned it. So the problem, the problem in week one is week one, they go, oh, I'm a, I'm a dice boxer now. I'm an England boxing apprentice, as it were. I, I feel like mustard and I'm going to put it all over social media. And they do all their little high fives of each other. Then I'm like, stop. That only gets handed out if your effort has been exceptional. Have you bit your personal best on a run that we've done outside on the hill? Yes, we have brilliant effort. Right, show them that. So now they, they, they throw it around at the right times now. And I think that's mm. really, really important. So it's about how, how we bring those behaviors to life uh, or those values to life through our behaviors. And that's something that massively I've learned through yourself as well for a lot of the, the content that you've, you've put out there. How can we be intentional? You know, and I know you talk a lot about the, um, the competitive cauldron, I believe it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, how do we bring that to life? And, and that's something I'm really kind of getting to grips with and learning every year. It's a little bit Groundhog Day in some ways because we get more more boxers coming every year, two year cohort, new boxers come first years, become second years, second years graduate. So um, it's a real great journey to see how that improves every year and how and it only improves when I involve them more. Again, yeah. it could sound cliche, but they're the ones that drive that and give me feedback on that. And that's part of my, the most fun part of my job is seeing how they actually live former and make themselves better than the former themselves. You know what I love about former is there are clear behaviors that align with those values that I think you have included the, the, the boxers in, you know, and they've been a part of that process. And you know, it didn't just become form on the wall for you guys, did not just become another Muhammad Ali poster. Right? Mm -hmm. You know, like that's where core values so often go. They become that um, mm -hmm. or they become this thing that you say in the huddle or in a, in a fiery speech. But you just you have really clear behaviors. I mean, one thing that we've been doing is uh, within my own team is the thumbs up. You know, it's COVID friendly, <laughs> you know, so we're not having the, the, the touch and all that. 
but um, it ties back into how we self-reflect. Are we uh, below the line, on the line, or above the line? You know, below the line being unacceptable, uh, acceptable is on the line, and you know, above the line. So thumbs up is, you know, a sign like your, in, in many ways, like the the sign language you have of the the special handshake. When someone gives feedback, they're like, thumbs up. Well, everyone knows what that means because it's been an agreed upon behavior. One of the things I think, especially probably in, I know my team and other teams, especially female teams would struggle with, is giving feedback because they don't know if the person would be open to it, which is your O and Forma. And I think there needs to be that recognition of, man, thank you for that feedback, you know, and, and just... The thumbs up is that sign. If someone doesn't give a thumbs up, then you are it is safe for you to feel, oh, she could be really upset with me, um, and 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 to feel that way. But if they give you a thumbs up, they're saying, hey, no, we're good. I appreciate that feedback, you know, and I appreciate you holding me accountable or you know whatever it is that you did there. Um, but it's also a recognition of like, yep, I got it. I'm moving above the line. Thumbs up, right? So, um, I love how you have real tangible behaviors. That that's awesome. And it's difficult <laughs> as well, trying to find, trying to actually think about and, and, and chat with the boxes and guide them to something that is tangible. Because if I'm honest, so I look at some of the, we have two or three for each one. And I think one or two of them, sometimes I don't see them come out purely because they're not really tangible. Yeah. And I'm thinking, how can we, we can chop and change that a little bit so i'm trying to involve the box a little bit more because we've only just started here we were in week five here we started in september but how we can actually make that a little bit more intentional um and one way that um was a bit of a, a penny drop moment is again mark, mark bennett came on our um not our podcast but something we have called the box gathering which is um very similar to what you're doing with the coach coaches conversations um we have a special guest on and we chat about certain areas we had mark on and he told us about this every time principle so are you doing these behaviors never, sometimes, or every time? And it's a bit of a health check, isn't it? Mm. But with this, with this sort of health check, I thought, well, what I want to do is I want to make sure that these health check critical components of what it is, 1%, if you will, of being an, an elite athlete, I want to tie that into former as well. So, again, I mean, I've got it here. I mean, you, obviously, your viewers won't be able to see it, but maybe it's something yeah. that we can post another time. Is yeah. On, on one axis, I've got maybe 25 behaviors, you know, and they're anything from, am I preparing my kit bag the night before? Does it have mm. all my kit in? Or am I getting out of bed in the morning, um, panicking because I've slept from my alarm and I've, then I forget my gum shield? And then if I forget my gum shield, I come to the gym and go, oh, I can't spar today because I haven't got my gum shield. Then I've got my other part, sparring partner is the same weight saying, well, I can't spar now because you forgot your gum shield. I'm boxing in two weeks' time and I need you to spar. So what happens then? He goes this way and he goes the other way. They have a, they start breaking their relationship down because he feels like he's not helping him. Um, then the rumor mill starts happening. You get the divide in the campus. You see what I mean? It's a bit of a sliding doors moment where yeah, yeah. one silly thing that you think is silly actually turns into, you know, this is the acorn turning into the tree. Um, and, I, and I think it's just... How do we bring their awareness to those critical things? And I think this kind of Mark Bennett, PDS, um, every time principle about never, sometimes, or every time just makes them think, actually, I don't do that. And when they add up all these little 1% in one column, and I'm looking at one boxer here, um, you know, he's quite a high level boxer. He's got three nevers, nine sometimes, and 
19 every time. So he's a high-level boxer. But I know there's boxers in there that are, are, are more full of the other way. But that's fine if they've got a lot of red and ambers. Mm. Um, but, but I think we've shown them that they're now a bit more self-aware. And surely any journey starts with self-awareness, doesn't it? Well, this is this is incredible because I love every time, sometimes, never because it's not like on a scale of one to five, you know, like, well, what does that mean? But like everyone can say, well, I sometimes like I do it every time. Like you could come back that. But also you have 25 behaviors and that's a really small behavior. But this is where like I'm just thinking about one coach, you know, they have the standard in their program of um rested and ready which i think is a kind of catchy kind of thing so it's kind of like your forma right and, and since they have these core values and one of them is rested and re ready um and well what does that mean and you've been able to define certain behaviors that i think would be really key indicators of that they were rested and ready right like they they were ready they prepared the night before that's like elite you know that's that's i'm getting that's going to carry them through the rest of their lives you know and I think that is just powerful. Like I'm learning from that is like, man, I'm I'm like ready to pull out my core values of our team and our behaviors. I, I think it's a journey though, because you said it's really challenging. All right. Now hold on two seconds. I'm gonna grab I just needed to grab my actual you know, our team contract or team manifesto. For instance, you know, we talk about accountable is our one of our core values. Mm -hmm. Do your job take responsibility for mistakes. Okay. That sounds nice, but over the course of the season, I think we have to really work to get more concrete in those behaviors so that they can really self-assess and reflect on, am I doing this every time, sometimes, or never, right? Like, I mean, I think that's a process. Like you said, it's hard to get specific, but if we can find a few things around doing your job that are really clear, you know, like you said there, I think that would help us to to to, to drive those behaviors. And, and, and you know, I, I think, you know, just like the, the thing about, you know, packing your, your bag or your kit, as you call it in England, um, <laughs> you know, packing you your, mean? I think you just call it your bag, you know, your training bag. So um, <laughs> you some fantastic sort of across the pond name for it then. I know. There you go. It wasn't anything uh, clever, but, um, you know, just packing the bag the night before, like, if they're doing that, they're probably going to start doing some other things. You know, they're going to start to become more prepared in other aspects. You know, they're going to have that mindset. So I just, that's incredible. I love that. And you talk a lot, you know, you, you I remember listening to one of your podcasts about James Clare, you know, with Atomic Habits, about habit stacking and things mm -hmm. like that. And, you know, maybe if you've got one thing that you are being intentional about, you can stack those habits probably without even knowing about it. Then two or three things start aligning and you've got those two or three things in the same room and, and they're ready to go. So I've got two or three things that may not seem critical, but ultimately when I amalgamate them together, that's critical because now I'm sitting on the bus ready to go to a, or the, or I'm driving or whatever I'm doing, um, ready to go. I've just, I've just got a clear mind because I've, I've already done those. I'm already in a state of mind. When I walk through that door, my body language is going to be great and people are going to say hello to me rather than, oh, what's up with you, Adam? Hmm. it's that little that little thing at the start actually had the sliding doors moment and it's really amazing i'd love to be able to see like a almost a sports journey uh, a sports film that was about sliding doors rather than yeah. the, you know the, the, 
the love connection that they have in the film. That would be a really interesting one, I think. Fly on the there you go. We'll start writing it right now, me and you. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Again, 10%, mate, if you, if you do it first. Well, I, I just want the starring role. I want that. So, <laughs> um, The thing I think, too, is, is we've got to find behaviors that are not done every time, you know? that are like relevant. I think a lot of times people put together standards and it's like they, they get to behaviors that they're looking to, to push. that are just, you know, they're, they're already happening. Like I remember just talking, you know, with my, my team and they're like, we, you know, they decided on encouraging was really important. Um, and they're like, well, everyone's really actually is pretty encouraging to each other on the court, you know? And so I was like, okay, well, where does that not really, take place they're like well there's some times maybe off the court that people could probably take a little bit more of initiative to check on people to send the text i'm like great so now we need to explore that throughout the season we need to keep i need to be really cognizant of that and starting to try to encourage behaviors in mm-hmm. that way and that could be from self-reflection that could be from a 25 behavior checklist it happens to be how often do you you know do you text a teammate after every practice sometimes mm-hmm. never always right so just talking to you, I'm starting to realize that, but also we can do it through other systems that we have in place, right? So we had a captain's council is a big thing for us to drive certain things like that. So that's, that's great. Now, one of the things is you're in boxing, which I don't know a lot about boxing culture. In fact, you're one of the few boxing coaches I know. I just know boxing is probably in the, you know, it's a very violent sport in many ways, right? So it's just the, the contact, and it's probably similar. Um, I have no wrestling coaches um, and American football coaches, like both, like, you know, aggressive, they're hard hitting sports. And so I think there can be maybe certain stigmas and that are true or not true that come with that type of culture and, mm-hmm. you know, hyper masculinity and stuff like that. And, you know, I mean, obviously that's probably even, you know, built up in, in the Hollywood films and stuff like that. But, I guess just you know, what is it about boxing culture that you are trying to challenge as a transformational coach? You know, like do, is my outside perception of oh it's violent and they're all you know that you get the meatheads and it's all about you know the manly men. Is that true? Is that what you're trying to challenge, or what is it that you're trying to really challenge? Because I think all of us in our sports are trying to challenge certain cultural norms that are just not transformational. Sure. Um, yeah. There, I mean, there are of course stereotypes. Um, of that and a lot of the times they're justified you know you could walk into one gym and um you know it is the the boxes have got the shirts off the sweating everywhere it's foul language the coach you know every other you know every conjunction he's got as a swear word um you know the the the, the choice of language is, is aggressive it's not about landing a shot it's about you know punch through the face <laughs> break, you know you hear, i hear coaches saying break it's not i heard a coach say punch him in the throat really yeah really that that's you know that's really what you how are you going to put that information across so you know i'm not going to sit here and say to you that boxing is the most beautiful sport in the world because it's not you know and and i'm sure like in any sports you you get your coaches who are very transactional and and in it for their own reasons but there are a lot of fantastic coaches out there um and the more that i've been on the, the box gathering and we've invited all these people on to talk about different things the more you actually kind of strip away this raw as we're saying it's a bit raw we strip away this masculinity and there are a lot of coaches there 
that once they are a little bit vulnerable and they do want to share, they feel like they're, if they're in a community where they can feel like they are um, sharing and supported by other coaches, um, it's quite, it's quite beautiful in some ways without sounding too soppy as a boxing coach. Hello. She do share something. They are starting to do that. Sorry, I, okay. I lost you. I lost you. We'll have to go back Hello, there again. I got yeah, something's sure. jacking up in my phone. So par apologies. Let's try that okay. again. Um, you were talking about. Sorry, I was just completely flustered on that. Just back up to the uh, kind of the the the. the the last thing you were talking about is just some of the good things as you've learned about from some of these coaches on the boxing yeah. coaches podcast. Sorry. So I, I feel with through the boxing coaches podcast and through the box gathering that we do, the online zoom community of practice um, that people, boxing coaches are really crying out to actually speak to each other and learn from each other because we do too much in the silo at the moment. Everything is done away from each other. And a lot of coaches see themselves, you know, as I can't give away my, my, my secrets here. I can't give it away because that will lose my little 1% of my edge. But in ult ultimately, that's, it's, it's rubbish. So it's really lovely to see, and that's a positive thing that's come through COVID, is the opportunity for people to actually say, oh, I did want to speak to other coaches. Now that we're, we weren't training in gyms, although we just started to open up now, it was an opportunity for us to share. And people are they're getting better. The knowledge level is so good. And we're starting to see this vulnerability amongst boxing coaches now where people want to share. And ultimately, if we don't have that culture of people wanting to share, who does it affect? The one person, one set of people we want to get better are the boxers. So by ring fencing, it's just not helping. So it's it's really is starting to, I feel, for this movement we're having with the box gathering. And I think in the English England boxing culture in general, people are working together a lot better now uh, to support the boxers. So it took that kind of stop being, um, stop being this, you know, hard ass and actually open up and tell people that I want to learn. And as soon as we show that to our boxers that we want to learn, they come on that trust journey with us. And um, it, it's a really great thing to see this sort of transition happening in England at the moment. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. I mean, I think, I think that's one of the cool things that and the positive things that has come from COVID though, is I think, people are starting to maybe they made more time for um, connecting, but also just opening up and, you know, they weren't, it, it shook things up. So people now are just not, Hey, I'm going to do things the way I did them last year, you know, like, and, and just new things have come from it. It's cool to see you be, you know, as you're going through this journey that we're all going through, it's never ending becoming more and more transformational or coaching um, for you to kind of share that and connect with coaches on that. You're definitely, I mean, it's just cool to see you become like an influencer and all that, you know, it's awesome. Uh, it, you know, it, it's nice. And there is, there is that kind of uh, feeling of sort of intrinsic reward from it. Um, but, um, you know, the other side of it again is I have to know what I'm talking about and I have to research the stuff and I have to, and I have to know that if I'm trying to be an influencer where I can or challenge tradition, as I like to, to look at it, um, then, 
that information has to has to be backed with, with principles with learning principles and, 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 and reasons, you know, so, I've, I've, you know, if I'm going to talk about relationships and why relationships are important, you know, I think reading Joe Ehrman's book is important, uh, you know, reading your book calling up is important. It's given us, you know, that these real uh, insight into how you are intentional about creating relationships. And if we've got that, then, you know, ultimately, what does it look like? It re results in better boxes all the time. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I think COVID has almost been like a constraints-based approach to learning. Yeah. You see what I mean? It's taken, away the, it's taken away the opportunity for us to repeat, repeat, and regurgitate, step back and go, oh my God, we can't touch each other now. What do I do? And although it's not the stuff I would like to put out in terms of some of the stuff I'm delivering at the moment, because ultimately boxing's about making contact before you make contact on me. Yeah, yeah it has put us in a position where we start to think about things in a different way. And I've been able to go back to basics and start teaching the principles of the sport, teaching about hit and don't get hit. And we forget that sometimes 90% of what we do, I think traditionally in boxing is about punching. And then we have a lot, maybe 10%, 20% of it is about actually not getting hit. Well, that doesn't make sense because he's trying to do the same thing to you. So Going back to the, the the principles, talk about perception, action, coupling, all the science behind that, and getting them to really understand the principles of you know where to put the jigsaw puzzles rather than just trying to squeeze them together. And I think that's been a real bonus for me, and really made me think that stop stop regurgitating Adam and start really teaching them to you know teaching them to bake rather than giving them bread. No, oh, I love it. Oh, that's incredible. The, um, anything we haven't talked about today that you just kind of want to wrap up with here? Um, another one of your, your, um, podcasts, you talk about how if you put things on social media, like a goal, this is my goal. This is what I work on, how you almost putting that out into the social, into that kind of ether, into that realm. It's, you make yourself more accountable for it. So mm. uh, I think you you mentioned about, I'm going to read a book a day for a year or a yeah, hundred yeah. days or what yeah. it was. If you're saying, I'm going to read 360 books this year. Or, or sorry, that's that's for a day. You're not going to read really a book a day. Fifty-two. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there you go. You heard it here first. He said three hundred sixty books. What a day. Fifty-two books, wasn't it? Yeah. I think you said fifty-two. Um, so if you're putting it on social media, then there is that kind of element of people su um, supporting you, and you feel like you're more obliged to actually step up to that. So you're all, you're, you're drawing people in to support you in some ways. You know, a lot of people see social media as a dirty thing. Um, you know, and, and if it's used wrong, it, it can be negative. But I think it's little things like that about getting your peers to hold you accountable for stuff is, is a really powerful thing. And I had a conversation with one of our boxers uh, yesterday, in fact, about it. Um, and he's he's um, he's been doing it quite a lot recently. And he says it's been massive for him. It's been massive for him because one he's diarising in a kind of modern way, which is positive for him. Mm. And he can look through his Instagram scroll and see what he's been doing. And, you know, and, and, you know, really look at that journey because that's a powerful thing in education as well. They always want to see how are you actually illustrating the journey that they've been going on. Social media is, is almost like the new paper diary, isn't it? In some ways, it's a way of diarising, making sense uh, and showing that and getting other people to be accountable for you. And I think that's something that we need to embrace a little bit more and look at because a lot of my boxers, some of them aren't academic. They don't really worry. But OK, well, let's be athlete centred or athlete needs, as, as they say. And think, well, how can they diarise without traditionally diarising? Yeah, yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. That's incredible. The um, 
you were saying something there about the posting on social media and just even you made the examples of the books. And I think that that's huge. I, I think two things I can relate to that. One is just, you know, obviously having the podcast, written a book, doing the support that I do for coaches. I'll just be honest with you. Within my own coaching journey this year, as we've kind of I've gotten back into it, I felt this pressure <laughs> to live up to these things that I have said that I are, are, are <laughs> principles or strategies. And you go in and you have a a, a training, and and it doesn't. You're not as transformational as you want to be. You don't empower your players. You you fall into these default methods. It does. It puts a little bit of that pressure on there. And I think at the end of the day, though, that's probably some good good pressure, you know, to be feeling it pushes me. I think the thing where I've seen and I, I, that I would, you know, is to share your own journey with your players, to share who you aspire to be as a coach, but let them know that you are not that coach yet, mm-hmm. that you're working on there and that you are open, like in Forma, you're open towards their feedback, mm-hmm. you know, let me know, right, when I'm not living by those things that I say that are really important. Mm-hmm. When we do that, there are so much, there's so much benefit from that. From a standpoint of all of a sudden you have, you've got a team of 12, you've got 12 people potentially helping to coach you and hold you accountable, you know, and mm-hmm. it does things that are amazing for them as it models that growth mindset that's so important. Uh, but also just does something to the relationship where they you're being vulnerable. You know, you're not airing out all your dirty laundry, but you're you are being real. And I know that from my own experience, just even sharing like, oh, I don't want to lose my temper this year. I don't want to yell. You know, like and or you know, like that having them be able to give me feedback on that or different moments, like that was just huge for me. You know, it's, it's just huge for those relationships. So definitely appreciate that, you know, that thought from you. And and one thing that I've just wrote down in the notes as, as we were talking, that's just purely come as a, you know, as a, you know, let's go a little bit Daniel Coyle here and talk about collisions. You know, we've had lots of collisions and, you know, when things collide in, in physics, they create more energy, don't they? They create more heat, more energy. And I, I think having these collisions is, is a real massive, powerful thing. So whether it be a, a podcast, a phone call, a text, you know, sending little texts to someone saying, well done this session today, you were fantastic. Those are collisions, they create heat, that's a positive thing. Um, so one thing from this collision that I've, I've, I've taken today is, well, why don't we actually do the every time principle where they're being self-aware about their performance, why don't we flip it on its head and can we make our our um, our principles that, that we're having as a coach that, that drive us, if they know them, like you say, can they rate me on them? intentionally can they do well adam never sometimes every time because i know if i've got 30 40 boxes rating me on the never sometimes every time of the things that are critical to me as a coach and i hold dear mm-hmm. then perhaps my standards will go up and guess what if i'm if i'm hit if i'm gone from a sometimes to every time in three or four of these areas then then they're going to as well because I'm giving them permission to to um to strive to something greater because I'm role modeling so I'm thinking that, that's my job for this week and I'm going to share it with you next week. Can we come up with the co- can the boxes come up with some every time principles for me that I need to strive towards as well? And that's, I think maybe that's quite a powerful thing. So that's just jumped into my head. So that's yeah. my job this week. And I, I guarantee you, Adam, if you do that, I mean, it's just going to really, uh, 
like we said, it's just going to help you grow. It's going to help them grow and the relationship is, is going to connect. And I think you know that, but I think other coaches might listen and be like, well, will they lose respect? You know, like, I mean, like I have to have this persona if I got it together, but that's, that's just, that's nonsense. You know, that's nonsense. You know that, I know that, you know, this is going to be awesome. I'm excited for you to do that. Um, this was a great conversation today. I, I, I could talk to you for hours, not just because you're smart, not just because you have great ideas, not just because you're, unique and that you're a boxing coach and I don't get to talk to boxing coaches, but generally you actually got a pretty good sense of humor <laughs> for, an, for, an, for an English fella too. I think usually it's the Irish people. It's the, usually the Irish that are really funny. Right. Um, but no, I, I've always enjoyed it and, and, um, and enjoyed our chat. So it's good to connect. You've got a lot of good stuff out there that I think you don't even have to be a boxing coach to appreciate and get stuff from um, what's the best, like what are the things that, you know, coaches could like follow that are going to provide value for them. And, and maybe if they're interested in learning more about Forma or how you apply that 25 behavior checklist, because I think some people would really appreciate that. Maybe you could share an email or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, email is adam.haniver. Haniver is spelled H-A-N-I-V-E-R at G-B-M-C dot A-C dot U-K. Um, the Boxing Coaches Podcast is on every platform, um, so you can you can hear that on any, any platform at all. And also the Box Gathering, um, you can find us on um, on social media. So um, yeah, there's there's plenty of ways to get hold of me. Um, but I'm pretty um, uh, lively, shall we say, on social media. So that's probably the best way to get me. So Adam Hanver, H A N I V E R. Last last question to get you out of here on this: best boxing movie of all time. Oh, oh, he's dropped me on that one. He's not even not even prepared me for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Best boxing movie of all time. Um, I'm going to be daft and I'm going to give you two. Lots of people love Rocky 1, and I do. I actually like Rocky 4 just for the whole Cold War America. Oh, it's amazing. It's so yeah, good. Actually, lights and the guy is the outside versus the inside and technology. I love a bit of that. It just spoke to me. Um, but there's also one called Gladiator. Um, which had Cuba Gooden Jr. in it. It's a really, it's a bit cheesy in places, but it's really good. It's like inner city guy beats the system type thing, and and um, you know rises up to, to um, you know, to beat the kind of drudgery of where he lives. And it's a real good one. It's called Gladiator. It's uh, obviously not not the Russell Crowe one. No, no, I I'm gonna check that out because I actually, if I was to say, like, if I was to do like a top ten of my sports film, I, I would I would say boxing is at least half of those. Like I love boxing films. Rocky Four, totally agree with you. That's amazing. I actually liked Balboa. I thought that was good. I, I love them all except five. Five, five's a disgrace. Um, we'll forget about five. So, oh no 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 no, behave! Because five had some had the best part of all the Rockies in the bit where he goes drunk into the gym and he reminisces about his time with Mickey, and he says, "You were the angel." That's the best part of all the Rockies. But yeah, the whole Tommy Tommy the Machine Gun wasn't great. <laughs> no, no. But I would say the other one would be Cinderella Man. I just, I just, I think that's a great story. Yeah, um, I actually got the books that I need to read that. I, I got the Cinderella Man book, but uh, great yeah. stories there. I mean, just in a, in a true story, nonetheless, you know. So this is awesome, brother. Appreciate it. Cheers, mate. And thanks for all the help and support that you've uh, and direction you give me over the years. I really appreciate it, mate. You're a top man. 
So that's it for my conversation with Adam. I think that's the first time anybody's ever called me a, a, a top man. It's definitely a, <laughs> an English phrase. So hope you enjoyed this conversation. Um, if you did, uh, be sure to subscribe to the Culture Builders podcast. We've got uh, daily short little episodes just giving you some ideas um, and some support along your coaching journey. Also, you can hop on um, wherever you listen to podcasts. And, and if you type in coaching culture, you can search for another podcast I have out there. It's more of the 30-minute uh, type short form um, episodes with my co-host, Nate Sanderson. And we have other guests there as well. So um, plenty of resources uh, at TOC uh, for you to check out. Also go to thriveonchallenge.com and you can uh, check out some of our articles there as well. Just just stuff to help you grow as a coach, to help you build your team's culture, to help you improve the relationships, to to raise the standards in your program. So, so check us out. And thanks for listening in to the Culture Builders podcast.